These are fun, off-the-cuff discussions on movies and streaming series, both new and old. Together, we'll attempt to bridge the gap between Hollywood Industry Insider and the casual viewer. This is Alec. And I'm Ben. And you're listening to the Cinema A to B Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Cinema A to B. Alec, how you doing? Doing well, Ben. How about yourself, buddy? I can't complain. We've got another good movie just came out. And I know we've both just seen this. So it's this year's 2023. Gareth Edwards directed little pet project here. The Creator. Starring uh, John David Washington. So I'm going to have you go ahead and kick us off on this uh, really recent entry. And we will not spoil this film. This will be a spoiler-free episode. Yes, we will. However, I... I was super anticipating this film. I was super excited for this. I think this was my top five movies of 2023 to see. Um, and I know, I think it was off, not on yours, but which is fine. There's there's a lot of good movies coming out this year. So I went in with high expectations. And those expectations were not met. So there's a lot that I like about this movie, but it's, a, I've walked away underwhelmed is I think the best word. It wasn't a bad film, but it was heavily flawed in a lot of different ways. The things that were great, I'm going to talk about that. Visually, absolutely stunning. The fact that they shot on location, I know there was, I read an article about this. They talked about the fact that they were actually trying to just do it all digitally or with green screen. And then I think Gareth Edwards talked with some, some people at ILM and they were like, no, one, it's going to be cheaper if you actually go to Thailand and film these things as opposed to doing it digitally. And also it's going to just be better. And so hats off to ILM, you know, pushing that, you know, not making that money and saying, Hey, it's going to be better because this film visually is stunning. I mean, from the beginning to the end, the DP is absolutely amazing in this and the shot selection is great. I was, I saw this in IMAX. I mean, in the faux IMAX, not true IMAX, but as best as I could get at the, in my town. So bigger screen, big sound. The sound was great. The acting was really, really done well. I wasn't, I wasn't upset about that. So again, I'm not saying this is a bad movie. I didn't dislike it. I just didn't, really like it. There's some story beats that were flawed. Some of the dialogue wasn't great. There was a lot of um, some loose plot points or decisions that were made that I felt like they essentially said, Hey, we want to have X shot. We want to have the scene look like this, or we want this end point, or we want this scene. So we're just going to push the narrative to get to this, even if it doesn't make sense, or even if like, timing wise or whatever to get the character from a point to B point wouldn't make sense. And to me, I know sitting in there, like watching it, I was critiquing it multiple times, which is, I don't normally do. I don't normally watch these movies and kind of get in my head of like, I would have done this better, but this movie really put me into that. And so that's why I'm saying it's kind of highly flawed. I really wanted to love this movie. There was so much about it that is done really well but it just story and plot points just took me out of it. So did you have a different or like, what is your thoughts? I know the only difference for me is that my expectations weren't as high as yours. 
And so I probably came out of it with less disappointment. Okay. I really enjoyed it, but I definitely would, would label it in the good, not great category. Yeah. There there's the script is keeping it from being a great film, like a truly great film. And it doesn't really ever get deep enough with the sub- subject matter of AI, like something like Blade Runner or, or like the Westworld mm-hmm. TV series yeah. or it, it doesn't delve deep enough. And I think that was a conscious choice. And, and so it, as an action film, it works really well. Yeah. But as a commentary on AI, it kind of falls on its face. Yeah. No, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't really speak to that in, in a really thorough manner. And then, and then the other problem they have with, I guess, and I guess I go back to the script is the emotional moments don't really resonate that well with me. And and it was kind of strange too, because I didn't think the acting was, was particularly problematic. In fact, I think this, this movie is going to change a lot of opinions um, for people that have kind of a put John David Washington in a box based on his performance in Tenet. And in reality, the, the character in Tenet was more reserved. And so he got basically pigeonholed people thinking he was this wooden actor and he's not, I mean, I've seen him in things like ballers on HBO where he plays like the, the prima Donna wide receiver and he's really, really good. And this character, he's able to be broader and more emotive. And I thought he was, I thought the performance that he delivered was really good. And I agree with you. That was kind of my challenge is like, man, none of the performances feel super flat. Although there's some, there's some B characters that are, I didn't recognize the talent and the acting was pretty average, but that's the, the acting wasn't why those emotional moments didn't really resonate. I think it was just the writing just wasn't really there. And I think a lot of it was, I felt pushed and didn't feel like they earned those moments. Like I felt like some of it was very arbitrary or that the character made jumps like the character arc made jumps and we skipped over some of those, those moments that needed to get him to this emotional beat. And it felt really weird. And again, I'm going to go back. There's a lot of loose plot points that didn't make sense. Like certain things that were said later on that were shown to be null and void earlier on in the movie. Like, and I am trying, you know, trying to talk about these things without spoiling it. It was, it was one of those things of like, like these these emotional moments could work, but where you've either a placed them or how you've gotten to them didn't fit or didn't bring me along. And so again, like I, I just gotta say, you just didn't earn them. Like we all know, getting to this sad point, you know how how to you know get people to a sad point or what is a sad point? Excuse me. We know what is sad, but getting a character there and making us feel those emotions in that journey takes effort. Right. And I feel like that's what we missed out was like, we skipped some things for some cool action. And again, if this was just a strictly an action film, like a, you know, another kind of a a Terminator style thing, completely different movie, but that's not what this movie was trying to be. This movie was trying to be kind of like that Blade Runner with some action sequences. You know, it wanted to have that commentary. It wanted to have those story moments, but it just didn't earn them. And I will say John David Washington is fantastic and he's a completely different person in ballers like Washington, like from tenant, even from this is absolutely different. Like you wouldn't recognize him 
just as his acting style. And he did a great job. And like I said, like you said, everyone kind of really did. There was a couple B actors that were not great, but they weren't bad. It wasn't like I was going, oh my goodness, what the heck? Who is this person? Like, why are they having them here? Like, I never really walked away saying these were bad actors. It was more along the lines of these were the actors given the lines that they had. And I think punching up some of that dialogue, making it a little bit more purposeful and then showing some of those more story beats, maybe taking out some of those action sequences to hit these story beats would have made this a far more powerful film. Yeah. I, and I don't want to stay parked on that too much because the, the movie's still got a lot going for it. You've already touched, you've touched on the visual effects. They're, they're a feast for the eyes. I mean, 90% of what you're seeing is in camera. And then if it's a sci-fi element, then that's CGI, but it's done at a really high level. I do want to get a little bit into the technical end of this. Yes, let's do. Um, because this, this movie's kind of been the talk of my work along with my, uh, my coworker, um, Johnny, because they decided to shoot this on effectively what is a prosumer camera. Mm-hmm. It's a $4,000 uh, Sony it's called the Sony FX3. It's a full frame uh, mirrorless cinema camera. It's got a nice big sensor in it. And, but it was stunning that they decided to shoot about 95% of the movie on this camera. Mm-hmm. And at first it was just a rumor. And because IMDb had other cameras listed, um, area Alexa or something like that. And then suddenly the, the description field changes on IMDb and it's left and it's just, it's FX three and everybody's like, wait, really? Yeah. Are you serious? And then they start asking director of photography, Gareth Edwards as well. Did you really shoot on this camera? Yeah, we did. And it came down to a logistics thing because like you said, they shoot in like seven or eight different countries, mm-hmm. like 80 locations, the only exception was they did shoot some of that OLED stage stuff with like a, I think a Sony like FX nine, which is a big beast um, of a cinema camera. But the rest of the time when they're in Thailand and they're shooting on this FX three on a little gimbal. I mean, this is the kind of, we don't shoot on the FX three. We, but we shoot on something comparable at work with on gimbals. And that's what the, most of this movie shot on. It looks gorgeous. And largely the, it does. It does there. You can tell they've added grain back in on the image. I also saw this in IMAX and my IMAX is a single laser setup, but the, the theater was built in 2010 and it was built when it was original. They had 70 millimeter, uh, film IMAX in it. So the screen's huge Yeah, here in, uh, in Wichita. It's one of the largest screens in the country. I mean, it really is. It's probably top five. So nice big image. It doesn't fill the frame, right? It's super widescreen, but yeah, it's, it held up. I didn't really, if I hadn't looked it up, I don't know that I'd have realized that, that it was shot on a $4,000 camera. It just goes to show you where the camera technologies come from and what good lighting and production design. I mean, we're there and nobody's got excuses as an indie filmmaker anymore with like complaining about the camera they've got. Now, Remind me the the Alexa cameras, the Ari Alexa cameras. They're like usually tens of thousands of dollars, right? For the most part. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sixty, sixty to a hundred thousand. Yeah. So, and Sony's got a competing camera called the Venice. That's right, the Venice. Yeah, that's right around probably eighty to a hundred k. But this FX three is 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 like a descendant prosumer camera of the Venice. It doesn't have the same sensor, but it's got the same color science 
borrowed from the Venice. And so that was a big selling point. Now I did read an article, um, on the logistical workflow of shooting with this camera. And it sounds like an absolute <laughs> nightmare. <laughs> like it, it didn't, it didn't sound fun. No. Like them trying to sync time code and they couldn't, you can't record in that camera internally to get the image they needed. Cause you've got to shoot raw oh, and the FX three doesn't, doesn't have that onboard stuff. Well, it's better for them to run it into a, a separate device, mm. um, to, to shoot raw and they shot it in ProRes raw Oof. and with internal recording on the camera as backup in case the ProRes raw failed. But the time code sync thing was, they were trying to constantly feed time code out of it. And it, mm. <laughs> it just, and we'll put a, I'll put the link to the article in our description field uh, on the podcast and on YouTube for people to, if they want to peruse, but it, it did not sound fun. Like it, but it, I mean, to be able to rig like four of these up on different gimbals and, and, you know, cranes and stuff like that and be in Southeast Asia and be able to pack the equipment up quickly. And the, the other tidbit, they shot like 80, 90% of the movie on, on a single lens. Mm -hmm. It was like a 70 or 75 millimeter anamorphic piece of glass. And it's an expensive piece of glass. I think, I think the lens is like 20 K. <laughs> so the, so the glass, Glass is more important than the camera yeah. always. So yeah, the, the lenses were like five times the cost of the camera body, but it's a beautiful image and, and the v, the VFX is seamless. Yeah. I mean, seamless. This is, this is really high level stuff. This is an $80 million movie that looks like, you know, 160, yeah. 200, $200 million movie. I completely That's agree probably with that. where I'd put it. Yeah. And the sound, oh, the sound design was fantastic. Mm -hmm. I thought the sound was every bit as good as the image I was seeing. Again, there's so much about this movie that is done absolutely right. And I know Gareth Edwards is a great director. So that's why I kind of, I had such high expectations going into it. So like, but this movie is at such a high level and it was, I was so, so sad, but you, yeah, definitely talking about that of the sound design. The only thing I could say is like, this is the most reserved Hans Zimmer soundtrack or score that I've ever heard. Like it, like when I, when, when I saw that come by that it was because I didn't realize it was Hans Zimmer. And I was like, that, that was Hans Zimmer. Like I would never have guessed that it was Hans Zimmer doing the soundtrack for that and score. And so the next day I listened to it just to kind of be like, well, I need to get more of this and try to hear it. And so he definitely wasn't playing to his strengths. And I don't know if that was, you know, Gareth Edwards talking to him about it, or if he was just, I want to try something new, or maybe he was, you know, playing around with something, but yeah, I think they were just going for something fresh yeah. and a little bit out of the box, but yeah, this, the score is good and the sound design's incredible and the image is incredible and the acting solid. So it's like, it's, it's weird. It checks a lot of boxes, but it just doesn't quite get up over the hump. And so, you know, I'm not, I don't live and die by IMDB, but you know, it's sitting at a 7.2 right now. And I think if the script were a little tighter and more polished and was a, did a little better job of conveying what it wanted to emotionally, it'd probably be in a, close to an A. Mm -hmm. And as is now, will this movie be forgotten? I don't think so. Um, it's like we've said, it's got a lot going for it and totally worth watching on the, on this biggest screen, as you can see, I would say uh, local IMAX or, there's an argument to be made that the best viewing for this might be in a Dolby cinema 
because it does have an Atmos mix that they did for it. And so that's probably the best you would get would be going to your, your AMC and seeing it in Dolby. Um, so it's totally worth, worth the ticket. It's just, yeah, if your expectations were really high for something kind of a landmark piece of sci-fi, it's just not quite there. It's not, it has almost all the pieces. It does. Like it, like you said, the, the FX are seamless. Like you feel like they're shooting. Everything is happening on camera and not added in. Like it's done so well. Again, it's just that, that small little bit. And it's one of those things I think, you know, we've kind of talked about, I don't think we've ever talked about this podcast, but we've talked about you and I of that. Those story beats can transcend bad acting or bad FX or bad stuff and draw your movie around. But it's hard to kind of cover bad story. Like there's only so much you can do. I'd say the first half of this movie, I felt like it was trending really close to kind of an AI maximizing its budget. Um, almost a companion piece to like district nine. I was going to talk to like, like, it like, was <laughs> trending in that direction and it just couldn't quite get no. there because the emotional moments, the emotional beats in district nine are t- tremendous. I mean, that's, that's a, that's to me, that's a, that's a landmark piece of, yeah. of cinema mm-hmm. and what it did for the whole kind of alien genre. And I think they were really trying to do this with AI. Now I don't want to, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I will say there was no nuance at all Mm -hmm. with the argument that they made surrounding AI. Yeah, And I won't say which way it falls, but I thought that was a weakness of the movie. Mm -hmm. There's there. It's like, there wasn't even a debate within the film surrounding AI the way there is in in Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049, it it didn't it didn't fight with itself, and it, it needed that. Yeah, and it just it was just one kind of one direction, and it that was an aspect that kind of fell flat for me. Yeah, it's funny that you brought up District Nine because the entire time I'm watching this, I'm feeling very kind of much District Nine plus his other film Chappie kind of like this kind of culmination of the two of them with a lot less of, um, Oh my goodness. His name is escaping me, but a lot less, Neil of, yeah, a lot less of his kind of, you know, check marks or his little, like how he does things, um, in it, because it definitely had that same feel that same storyline that he was getting with, especially with district nine. But I felt like in district nine, Neil definitely earned that, that payoff. Like he, like the story put in the work. And now this is far more of an action film than district nine ever was. District nine is far more of a, of a, a character building film, which this has some of that, but this is definitely also focuses some on that action. Another thing I do want to add is, is this kind of lends insight to me into why Lucasfilm brought Tony Gilroy mm-hmm. in for rewrites and reshoots on rogue one. Mm-hmm. Because I think I think if Gilroy's not brought in, I think this is kind of the rogue one we get. Yeah. A really good looking movie that just doesn't quite give us the emotionally powerful, memorable moments that it has now that, that frankly Gilroy's kind of known for. And so now, but I don't want to take credit away from Gareth Edwards. I think he is a visionary filmmaker and I think he, 
is exceedingly gifted at world building. This was a fully realized, you know, dystopian future in every sense of the word. Yeah. Visually, the the texture, it, it's mind blowing. I'll, I'll and I'll for sure watch it again. It's just, it's not. I don't think outside of our conversation here, I don't know that I'm going to have a bunch of conversations surrounding their creator the way I do the Blade Runner films, mm-hmm. and that's kind of unfortunate. It doesn't ask enough questions, mm-hmm. or and it doesn't give enough either. Give enough answers, or even make you think enough again it it was one of those moments of instead of thinking about what the story's talking about i'm thinking about how do the characters get here or why like okay this shot is here only because you wanted to have this location and it makes no sense why they're here or it makes no sense why this character is doing this this action like why is this character going from point a to point b when you could just do the action you're doing at point b at point a it would make so much more sense but you're trying to specifically set up point c so that's why you're having it but again it is it doesn't feel earned because it's an arbitrary decision it doesn't feel like the character if the character was actually left by himself doing you know this action he would do it at point a there would be no reason for him to go to point b the only reason we're going to point b is because you want point c to then connect to point b and it's hard to talk about without spoiling things here yeah no it is but that's and and that's kind of where my you know i saw where he was going and it was pulling me out of the movie because i was like this doesn't make sense or you only want to have this because you're setting up for something else. You're not actually doing this because, you know, the character wants to do this or the character. Will yeah. It's act. like, it's like people were running away just, just for the sake of running away. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other, the other th- problem I have is I feel like I felt like Ken, Ken Watanabe was totally wasted oh in this goodness. movie. Yeah. Like, I just feel like he was, he, you, he's tremendous in everything he's in and he's good here, but he's just, completely underutilized. Mm. I just, the character could have been much more interesting and impactful. And it just, he's just kind of there. I mean, he's, he's a main, fairly major character, but doesn't feel like it. Like, fun fact though. Uh, it was actually supposed to be Benedict Wong from, uh, oh. the Marvel series and many other things, but you know, scheduling, I don't know why I think they offered it to him and he turned it down or couldn't do it. I mean, I love Ken. I think Ken is absolutely an amazing actor, but I think like you said, he's underutilized in this. There was actually several plot points done that I felt could have been heavier. if Ken said them as opposed to like John David or someone else. If you had introduced Ken into that scenario, it would have hit a little bit harder or it would have landed a little bit better. Again, there's just small points. Um, overall, I think uh, going back to kind of your, your statement always of that every movie needs to trim like 10 to 15 minutes of time. I feel like this movie could trim some time, but I didn't feel like this was too long. Like I felt like I was kind of moved along. I never was checking my watch or going, are we almost done? It brought me along the entire thing. So I know you said this is a good movie, not great. I'm like, it's a decent movie, not really good kind of a situation, but I, 
I think it, I'm going to, I'm going to blow your mind here. I think it could have used another 15 minutes. Whoa. Of, <laughs> okay. <laughs> of, of, of character development. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. I could definitely see that. I, I think it could have used that. It, I think it could have used it at the beginning. I think it could have used it in the middle and then, and then some of the end, but um, you know, some of the characters feel a little bit, you know, one dimensional. Um, it kind of suffers from that. I have a hard time caring about a lot of people in this movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's kind of my challenge. Like it just didn't quite get me there. And, but I did enjoy it. And, and this was a cool movie because my, my, to my knowledge, my dad had never been in an IMAX theater before. So they were in town the weekend, uh, that I decided to, we decided to go to it. And, uh, it was my, my birthday was the day before because the movie came out on the 29th. So we, Saturday, the 30th, we went, my dad and I went to, to the IMAX and he really enjoyed it. And he liked the spectacle of it. That that's kind of, that's the attractive thing about a picture like this is it is a, it is a visual spectacle and it's not completely empty and vapid. No. Like it's, it just, it doesn't even have the conventional like emotional draw that like the first avatar film had. Cause you can do the big effects and wow people visually, but there's a, there's a recipe there for, for taking characters along and then building emotionally powerful moments. And this I think was trying hard to get there and the structure wasn't terrible, but he's kind of missed the mark a little bit. Yeah. Which was, is just frustrating, you know, like, and, and realizing how easy is it to do to have everything done so well and to miss one little important part, but how integral that important part is to the movie and can change your movie so drastically from something great to something good or something. Okay. You know? Right. So I did, um, I do have a little fun anecdote, you know, the, a little bit of the six degrees of separation here. So Gareth Edwards in 2010 kind of put him on the mark. He directs this, this low budget movie called monsters for like $500,000. And it does really pretty well. And it, that basically is what gets him tapped for Godzilla to do Godzilla. But so on monsters, one of the colorists is a gentleman by the name of Kevin Shaw. And I took introductory color grading, like color theory <laughs> with, with under Kevin Shaw. That's awesome. So he was his, he was his colorist on monsters and, and I think worked for very little cause that, that budget was just Nothing. shoestring. Yeah. So yeah. And, uh, yeah, Kevin, Kevin teaches online color grading through the international colors Academy and really nice guy. But yeah, I took like a three, two or three day intensive nice. in under him in Burbank, out in Burbank. So back in the day. Basically what you're telling me is your besties with Gareth Edwards. Is that, is that what you're saying? It... No, no. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. My, my apologies. No, but no, but just, uh, the circles, I guess this is a fun anecdote that the, the circles are small. Yeah. And, and cause Kevin lives in, um, I believe, I think he said he was from Southern England and, uh, and, and Gareth is, is English. So, um, but yeah, that just a little, little movie from 2010 that kind of got him kickstarted. And, uh, 
I know a guy who knows a guy, but now it's a pretty lame story, but <laughs> no, no, it's not. That's, that's always fun. Yeah, it was, it was cool. Um, I don't think he graded anything. Shaw didn't grade any of his other movies, but, um, he has graded some other stuff. I saw where he color corrected that, that Winnie the Pooh horror movie, blood and honey. <laughs> he was the colorist on that, but, Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I, I think this movie will have its, uh, it's diehards though. Like I, I think they'll, I think they'll people folks that are willing to overlook some of the story limitations and, and really kind of fall in love with the, the world he's built and the aesthetic and. Well, and there's definitely people who these emotional beats or these story moments may actually work or bring them along. And it's just something that you and I don't get. I mean, let's be honest. You and I have pretty similar tastes in most movies. It's very rarely that you and I are, absolutely off the mark or very different. No, the only, the only genre for our listeners, the only genre that Alec and I probably are a little bit divergent on sometimes is comedy. Mm -hmm. That the same exact thing doesn't make us laugh. Although it's pretty, it's pretty close, but I've got some comedies that I would put in there that Alex just like, you're, you're ridiculous. Yeah. That's kind of it though. I mean, yeah, generally we're on, I just, we've talked about this before. This is like, it does not make the show interesting when we're just constantly like, why? Yes, I agree with you, you know, and just nodding. But yeah, I think we're, I think we're on pretty much the same page with this. I think the only difference is you went with, you went in with higher expectations and, uh, I just didn't know what, I didn't know what to expect. I thought that, I thought the trailers and the marketing were, were pretty, uh, pretty engaging. Although I, I, I felt like they were giving away too much, but after seeing it, I think it was okay. I, I don't, I don't feel like they spilled the beans or, or gave away too much of the plot from the trailers, even though I, that's initially kind of what I thought. There was some interesting stuff, but I will say it's, it's when you texted me about this, cause you saw before I did and I was, we were, you know, we, for listeners, we try not to talk about movies outside of this podcast. So like we see something, it's more likely just kind of saying, Hey, I saw this, go see it. So we can talk about it. kind of a situation, but just in that text that you said about this, like, Hey, go see it in IMAX. I was that, I think not blaming you at all, but I think that also in, you know, got me to go, Oh, this is really good. He really wants me to see in the best thing possible, which is, you know, there is a reason because it is an absolutely beautiful film. And I think while the buddy I saw it with, he wasn't super impressed either with the movie and thought the sound was way too loud. And in our IMAX, some of it, I mean, we're, you know, and, uh, he was like, I don't know, it it didn't feel because it wasn't shot for IMAX. So he didn't have that aspect ratio change. Um, like what was the point kind of a situation? Totally get it. I understand why he, why he's that way. Um, but I think that also helped me go, Oh, Ben really wants me to see this and he knows that I want this. And so I think kind of that even helped me go, this is going to be fantastic. And so I blame you (laughs) essentially for why I don't like it. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, it was one of those moments. I I just wanted, I just wanted you to see it on his, I thought the visual effects were worthy of seeing it on his biggest screen as possible. It was worth it. So that was my only, it was, motivation for saying and i thought the, and i thought that the imax presentation was really mm. quite good it was good no the 12 channel sound was was crisp and the mix was really nice i like i said i was very pleased with the sound design i i love the way that kind of eye in the sky thing sounded 
scanning stuff. Like it, that's that entire sound design was. I felt really, it. really nice stuff. Like a felt. Yeah. It. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was great. Yeah, you do. Yeah. yeah. So it's got, yeah, it's got stuff going for it. It's, and, yeah. uh, it's a, it's a decent movie. Like it's definitely one to, one to see. You may, you may love it. You may not like it, but it's, de- it's definitely got a pretty much most of the pieces be a great film. It just lacks in a couple others, but um, I will say I did th- walk into this conversation thinking that we were going to be on opposite ends of the spectrum, that you were going to come in saying that you loved it and that we were going to actually have a movie where we disagreed on, but no. <laughs> It'll happen eventually. <laughs> at some just point, not for it's, this gonna, one. it's not this yeah, one. At some, <laughs> at some point. Yeah. Well, you have any, uh, you have any final parting thoughts on, on the creator? Outside of we all think making movies is easy or – it's like, why, why, why can't these people make good films or why is there so much crap out there? It's because it is so difficult. It, there's so many pieces that have to play out and it's so hard to have, I mean, it has a great idea, but it's so hard to kind of get that idea and turn it into a story. So, or I will say if, if somebody wants a comparison, it still runs circles around iRobot. Oh my goodness, yes. Yeah, I mean, it, it's infinitely a better movie than iRobot. And I know people that love that movie. So, um, yeah, go give it a look while it's still in theaters and can see it on, on a large screen. I think it's worth, I think it's worth your while. Yeah. I really do. It's definitely, it's yeah. definitely worth a watch. It's not, obviously, it, it's not overtaking any of the, my top movies already of 2023. So. No. No. How about you? Last thoughts? What? No, no, I, I think, I think we've kind of summed it up nicely and, uh, not, not spoiled anything for, for folks. So appreciate everybody checking us out and watching on YouTube and, uh, good. If you enjoyed the conversation and you want to get more of these hit subscribe in the bell and, uh, we appreciate you, uh, listening on wherever you get your podcasts, Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google podcast is going away uh, next year YouTube and getting rolled into YouTube music. I don't think it's going to change much. If you're listening to us on Google podcasts, they're just going to roll the RSS feed right into YouTube music. So it's effectively going to be the same thing. Um, yeah. Catch us on uh, social media, Instagram, Facebook at cinema, a to B kind of post, give little teases on what, what our next episodes are. Usually I'll, I'll post those on a Friday or Saturday, maybe give you a chance to, uh, to watch something over the weekend Mm. if you hadn't seen it. And uh, yeah, we just appreciate everybody listening. And lastly, uh, if you can go to Apple podcasts on the, I believe the app and leave us a review. And then on Spotify on the app, you can leave us a rating. Nice. So just helps folks find us a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, we will, uh, we will catch you next week with another film or streaming show. Thanks, everybody.